The idea for this whole series really came from an idea I had at the back of my head, and that was the fact that we use all these terms every day, but do we actually know what they mean? And sometimes the terms that we use most often are the ones we take most for granted. So two things happened. One that I started to observe people selling brand campaigns to very small business clients, which is always a red flag for me. And then the second thing happened, which was I was doing a bit of fractional CMO work for a couple of clients at the end of last year. And they were entertaining the idea of brand campaigns because they weren't getting the yields and customers acquired through predominantly digital channels like Google and Meta Ads because traditionally a lot of startups have used these two channels as their primary sources of acquisition. So because that was starting to fail or get much more expensive and above what was like a positive acquisition cost, they were starting to look into some alternative channels and This word of brand kept popping up around the tech community. And what I quickly realized is that they really didn't know what brand was. And this is a very new concept to them. And they were looking at channels that they were very not familiar with. So they were really starry-eyed going into agency engagements and really getting hoodwinked with some of the recommendations they ended up adopting. So I thought it was probably time to look into this area myself. And there's two LinkedIn posts that I did back in the day just to test what is a brand. And I found there was heaps of variation. What I took from that was that our definitions of some of these terms is so variable that are we really talking about the same thing when we use these terms every day at work? And then I was invited to speak on a panel with this media and advertising news company called MI3 Australia. And they do some pretty sort of heavy hitting, deep analysis work on the local media industry and, and the media industry at large. And this is my second time being invited. The first time actually was where we're talking about the death of growth hacking. So about a year later, I was invited back to talk again about this concept of double duty. And double duty basically means, can you do a campaign and it give you brand and performance at the same time? We debated this at length and go and listen to the article. I'd probably recommend it because there's basically two people on one side and two people on the other side, so two pro, two con. And then Paul moderates in the middle and we explore this concept from four pretty different perspectives. And I think what comes out of it is a really interesting discussion. And the next step was a bit of an inflammatory tweet and that blew up and that sort of gave me the signal to maybe delve a bit deeper and see if we can come up with something that helps everybody. And that that led me to write maybe a longer rationale for some of the the points that I was making with a bit more robust evidence to act as a bit of a guide and helps everybody move in the right direction together. So that was how it all started. And hopefully this will act as a really useful guide for you, for senior decision makers and executives to make better decisions when it comes to their marketing, advertising and brand investments. So there you go. That's, That's the backstory. That's how it all started. And without further ado, let's jump into it. Not long ago, in a place far, far away from Khan, five people debated the existence of double duty. And this is a debate about whether it was possible to deliver brand and performance concurrently in one campaign. The consensus from like one half the panel is that double duty is possible, but it was kind of rare or an edge case. In their eyes, brand campaigns were superior because that's what really the most senior marketers in the world concern themselves with. Brand this, brand that, share of voice, bar and shard, mental availability, we know all the catchphrases. All these arguments lead back to one road in particular though, 
spending more on advertising. And this wasn't a surprise given the two people's backgrounds and their current employment. Whereas I disagreed, mostly because I'd seen lots of things that grew brand way more efficiently than any brand campaign or advertising ever has. And Pip also agreed because she'd just seen and reviewed the results from a Moet Chandon campaign with a new ad format. And this campaign not only proved double duty was possible, but it was actually more effective. But what is a brand campaign? So the next day, I really couldn't stop thinking about brand campaigns. And much like the word brand itself, I've always found a lot of people explaining these terms in very wishy-washy, amorphous ways. Like they'll say something like brand is a vibe. It's the gut feeling that you have. It's a logo. And then other people are like, no, it's more than a logo. It's associations and blah, blah, blah. I even joked that if you asked 10 different marketers what brand is, you'd get 10 very different answers. And just like Matt Watkinson said in a recent interview, you can make a lot of money by just combining two abstract nouns or verbs together. And I suspected that these terms that we use, performance marketing and brand marketing, suffer from the same fate. And I'd noticed something even stranger happening because... I still have an SME account that I use on Facebook and Google systems for advertising for a couple of clients, right? To keep my fingers on the pulse. And I have account managers sometimes <laughs> cycling through and ring me and um, getting me to do different things or recommending that I make changes to campaigns, etc. And then there's some other clients that I advise as well and help their marketing or growth departments out. And these people were all talking about brand campaigns. And if you trace back where it was coming from, it was basically being recommended by Meta and Google account managers to all their clients, whether that's an agency or the client directly themselves. And this sort of struck me as a bit odd and ironic. So essentially, performance marketing channels were now selling brand campaigns. These account managers, however, though, were just thinly disguised sales reps. But they're suggesting to the clients that they need to invest in multiple campaigns to cover the, quote, full funnel of brand consideration, preference, and performance. And they're using words like tofu, mofu, bofu, and brand was sort of becoming the soup du jour within the tech industry. So what's going on? Why is everyone talking about brand all of a sudden? What's changed? Even tech companies are now hiring heads of brand. Unfortunately, I get to witness through my advisory work, lots of teams getting led astray by the lure of things that sound good, but probably aren't good for the goals they're trying to achieve. And sometimes I just know that no matter what I say, they're going to go along with whatever they want to do anyway. So I'm forced to just nod and smile and agree and say things like, oh, that's an interesting idea and sort of try to politely nudge them away from a path I know will lead nowhere good. But you can only lead a horse to water. And lately I've noticed a whole generation of digital marketing trained professionals being led astray into an area that's both foreign and exotic to them, brand. And unfortunately, they're falling for all the same tricks and scams that have played marketing folk for decades. Worse, they're not even aware of it, which is why I'm writing this entire series in the first place. And there's two main reasons why people are talking about brand now. The first is that some of the digital yields from these channels are declining rapidly over the last couple of years, if not since 2015, really. Now, I've talked about this before. If you want to go to the MI3 website um, and look for an article where growth hacking goes wrong. But coincidentally, I did that interview in, I think it was like April or May in 2022. And then I just looked at Carter, which is like cake equity in the US, which tracks a lot of startup funding rounds. 
And basically dissolutions or when startups decide to fold and dissolve started increasing around the same month that I did this interview. But I was noticing this trend quite a bit in the months and years prior. So if you want to go to Carter's website, you can kind of see this dissolutions map. It's actually quite interesting. And it's almost tripled in the last five quarters. And what declining yields mean is that you might still get the clicks, the engagement, the, the visitation, the reach, inverted commas, and impressions, but you won't get the acquisition of a customer who's willing to pay at a rate that is positive enough. And that's kind of how I determine yields. A lot of people just measure the vanity side of the metric and don't really attribute back to an acquired customer at, at a dollar value. It's a very different thing. And that's why this really goes under the radar of most people because they're only looking at that sort of top level metric. And the second big reason though is privacy. There's been a rapid, I would say, depreciation in the accuracy of digital measurement systems, also known as attribution. Now, this has been skewed because of two things. Government policy changes So in the EU and even Australia now, they're mentioning crackdowns on data brokers and data privacy. And also, this has been sort of spearheaded by Apple, whose iOS has continued to clamp down all the parameters that would give Facebook and Google and other sort of advertising platforms more granular accuracy in terms of what the user did after they viewed or clicked on an ad. And this has permeated through the whole system so that now there's a big chunk of this activity that's now missing. But there's probably two other factors that I haven't mentioned that leads all marketers towards the magical brand campaign fountain. And the first is bias sampling. So you may be interested to realize that, and I'll just take Australia for example, but the UK and the US and other developed economies are very similar. But in this country, 98% of companies have under 200 employees and are not publicly listed. Yet, it's funny how lots of people in industry almost exclusively talk about marketing from large, corporate, publicly listed, mostly B2C consumer brands. So we're all exposed to commentary and analysis based on what I would say is the activities of a 0.5 to 2% maximum sample of the business population to even start with. And this is funny because over the years, I do the opposite of what most commentators do. I started my career in corporate with big advertising agencies, but I've since mostly consulted just with business owners and executives in the private sector, the other 98%. And I found that these people have a very different view and talk about very different things that none of the famous marketing commentators talk about. First of all, they tend to be very discerning about their marketing expenditure, mostly because they're forced to focus on commercial results rather than just political optics. After all, sometimes and often it's their money on the line and they have a vested interest in the upside. Not always the case, but generally speaking, you'll tend to get a much wiser allocation of resources and you'll get way more discerning decision makers. And when I deal with these types of businesses, it's very rare to meet any of them who stakes their hope on brand campaigns. In fact, they don't even care what you call it, a brand campaign, performance campaign, advertising campaign or marketing campaign. They only care whether it does four things, revenue, profit, market share, or increasing the company's valuation. And this is something the marketing department has to prove via proper financial analysis. The budgets aren't huge, so any expenditure that doesn't perform really isn't a luxury they can afford. And the second reason 
that leads all marketers astray is what I call the big brother and big sister syndrome. And this is probably a bigger factor because it points many, I would call them challenger brands, or maybe you're not the, the biggest or second or third biggest in your category, like most people, you probably don't work for those companies, but it points every challenger brand in the wrong direction because every small company wants to be bigger and every younger brother or sister wants to be like their older sibling. And people working for the smaller challenger brands, what they tend to do is that they follow and observe what their bigger brethren are doing and try to naturally emulate that playbook. Unfortunately, they're copying a defensive play, not an offensive play. And I'll talk about this more in part two and three. But what it leads to is very unwise investments that don't end up contributing to their commercial goals. Brand campaigns being one of them. And there's a third reason. And this is probably a deeper, probably more concerning factor that I noticed that leads everybody astray and is perhaps the most ironic. And that is marketers can't explain what these terms are in the first place. They can't explain what a brand campaign is or brand marketing or performance marketing. So are people just putting two words together without really knowing what they mean? Matt Watkinson explains. What makes its way into the mainstream of business thought or the lexicon of management isn't necessarily what works best, it's what can be packaged and sold at scale, which is why it's always this framework or this mantra or this thing. And it's why these ideas are always a combination of two abstract nouns or verbs put together, right? They're purposefully vague. If you think about something like digital transformation, it doesn't get any vaguer than that, really. But the, the, the genius, the genius of, of using abstract nouns and verbs is that, first of all, you get to define it. And you get to also say why everyone else's definition is wrong. And then you get to say why it's so important. And then after a while, people are like, oh, yeah, digital transformation. Oh, yeah, design thinking. Oh, yeah, omni-channel experience. Oh, yeah, performance marketing. They're nebulous and imprecise and vague by design so that you can sell them. Hmm. Like That's when true, you actually. see it, you can't unsee it. I've noticed people have trouble explaining these terms with any consistency, but I needed evidence. So I started reaching out to a couple of people and connections that I knew. And look, I was really surprised how much their explanations of what a campaign was varied, especially since some of them were in charge of buying and selling them. Even worse, they really couldn't explain to me what brand or advertising was either. So I was very intrigued. I needed to really test this hypothesis with a large sample. I needed to conduct robust market research to get to the bottom of this. And luckily, a previous experience at a market research firm early in my career meant that I knew how to do exactly that. So I made sure I avoided the use of any inflammatory, opinionated language or leading questions, we call them. And I settled on a really good research platform that we could use to target an unbiased sample and collect objective responses. So this is the tweet that I put out. It's official, brand campaigns are a scam. I just crunched some data and found there's no significant relationship between brand campaigns and revenue. In fact, the correlation is often negative once you account for externalities. Why are marketers so enamored with them? Question mark. And look, I could have said something more balanced, but it just wouldn't have had the same effect. Besides, I've done this a couple of times before and you actually get really good comments and results. So I had to poke the bear a little. Apologies for anyone who got offended, but what came out of this was really interesting. 
Look, this tweet went viral and caused stir. And what became immediately obvious was that this was a really divisive topic. And usually polarization indicates there's a lot of truth here to be uncovered. Seasoned, probably less naive and slightly less jaded marketing folk agreed, as did everyone in tech, including some very famous founders. Like, there's no surprise there. But for those on the agency side, it was a completely different story. It was like I just told a bunch of children Santa wasn't real. And not only did these ad-land folk refute my claim about it being a scam, they were adamant these campaigns were effective and even superior to performance campaigns. And I didn't know what I was talking about. Apparently, I need to read How Brands Grow 1 and 2, The Long, The Short of It, which I have, and other studies on the topic, which I'd also read. I'll add, most of which were sponsored by advertising agencies and lobby groups. As you can imagine, these research pieces have a certain tilt to their findings. And if that wasn't enough, I was also provided with all this evidence that a slew of famous award-winning campaigns ultimately prove that brand campaigns are effective. There were mentions of campaigns like Apple's Think Different, Nike ads in general, and the Got Milk campaign, among others. I didn't disagree because some of these campaigns were actually quite good, or at least appear so at face value. But when I asked them, could they describe how effective these campaigns were, no one was willing to give any figures or hard data to support their arguments. And I suppose that's not surprising since many of these people, myself included, haven't worked on these campaigns. But when probed, I received very deflective comments like, you can't measure brand, it's intangible, you need to measure the long term, just not the short term. Not everything can be measured counts and not everything that counts can be measured and so on and so forth. And look, none of these people could provide any data on exactly how these campaigns were effective. And again, this isn't surprising because most people at advertising agencies are very disconnected from the financial impact their work has. But anyway, I asked these same people another question. What are brand campaigns? And this was followed by a Mexican standoff. They wanted me to define it first. And even famous agency owners, whose book I had also read, weren't game to put a definition in writing. And the conversation abruptly ended. This was strange, but not entirely unexpected. In fact, hundreds of comments later, almost no one had attempted to define what a brand campaign is in any detail. The only thing everyone could agree on was that brand campaigns weren't performance, whatever that's supposed to mean. We were back to square one. And I encourage you to go to the tweet and have a look through the comments because some of them are quite funny and some of them are actually really interesting. And I use those to come up with a definition at the end. But I was conscious that, you know, while social media comments from within the industry bubble is great, I needed to consult experts in the field who are very experienced and use evidence-based methodologies. And that's when I stumbled across this perler of a quote from Jenny Romanyuk. She works for the Ehrenberg Bass Institute. And I quote, One of the biggest own goals of the advertising industry is the invention of the brand building campaign. Which makes one comment from an agency owner on that tweet who was defending brand campaigns kind of awkward because they're a sponsor of this institute. Anyway, long story short, 
some of the more constructive comments from fellow Twitterati and personal contacts helped me compile all this wisdom into a table to help define what a brand campaign is and is not. And while brand campaigns, performance campaigns, and any prefix or suffix that uses the word brand or marketing is really an industry invention, we shouldn't get too hung up on the need to create the perfect technical definition. Because my view is that what's directionally true within the population is true, because perceptions are reality. So whatever most people think it is, it is. But with that said, I view this performance versus brand campaign or performance marketing versus brand marketing on a continuum, like a binomial distribution. And at one extreme end of the left, we might have pure brand campaigns. And on the far right, we might have pure direct response sales initiatives or whatever you want to call those, performance campaigns. But then the bulk of all campaigns in the middle do a bit of both. And it's very rare to find a pure brand campaign that doesn't sell, that only works on the brand and vice versa. A campaign that's just on the sales transactional end that doesn't build brand. Because by default, when you make a sale, you are building brand. And this logic is lost on a lot of the advertising industry folk. But anyway, go to brandingmag.com and look for part one and you'll see this table here where we can plot some of the dimensions of these campaigns on the left and then figure out which one they fit into. And this will really help you determine what a pure brand campaign is and isn't. So is there a difference though? The short answer is Pretty much no. There's basically no scientific basis for the use of either term. It's a false dichotomy that's been created and reinforced by different vendors and commentators within the supply chain. But again, listen to the MI3 episode where we debate this in more detail. But I'll summarize that just really quickly. So brand versus performance is not a channel discussion. And this is what I think a lot of people get wrong because Channels have pros and cons, and we can refer to this thing called ad stock, but some are better at initiating immediate sales actions or, or in inverted commas, performance, and some are better suited to producing longer-term sales effects, quote, brand, and some have more, I would say, granular targeting ability than others, but both of them build brand and can perform to differing degrees if you use them correctly. Which brings us to the second point, that channels are just conduits for your message or offering. All of them can build a brand, all can acquire customers, and marketers who are only exposed to the comms side of the discipline tend to routinely overlook the fact that acquiring new customers and increasing product usage via sampling or any other method perhaps builds brand more effectively than anything else. And secondly, how we get where we want to go goals will vary from one company to the next. So any mix of channels or initiatives can be used to help build brand or trigger customers to purchase. The choice is really up to you. Third, brand is definitely viewed as this higher status, more glamorous work within the marketing discipline compared to, I would say, lower level, more transactional salesy type direct response advertising work. And brand cuts across multiple products and business units at larger companies. So if someone works in that field, it tends to give this impression that they're more senior or valuable than someone who can perhaps produce sales revenue. But brand is not and shouldn't be the exclusive domain of marketing because it can be built through any customer touchpoint. Four, there's also this constant agency vendor tussle that's going on. And what's happening is that all these different agencies are trying to compete for the limited funds that the clients can offer them. 
So they make up all these different words or try to position themselves or categorize other competitors into different categories so that they don't compete directly. And that's where a lot of these terms come from and get popularized. So what happened is that when Google and Facebook came onto the scene, a lot of traditional ad agencies were very threatened by this because they were taking money away from their client budget. So what happened is that they ended up acquiring or spinning off separate agencies and called these agencies performance agencies. But essentially what they were doing was just reselling Google search or Facebook ad services. The fifth point I make is that marketing science has already discovered how advertising affects brand and sales, regardless of which channel you use or what labels or groupings you want to apply to them. And we're going to talk about this more in part two, three, and four. But in summary, can a brand campaign generate sales, increase profit, and build brand? Yes. Can a direct response campaign do the same? Yes. In fact, can any marketing campaign do the same? Yes. So now that we've all sort of on the same page about what a brand campaign is and isn't, there's a couple of questions that you'll probably have. When should you use them? When should you not use them? Are they effective? And if so, how much? And what is brand and advertising while we're at it? So I picked up my bruised snowflake body off the floor and decided to find out. To be continued in part two.